understand the next time you play your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Welcome to episode six of Meet Us at Molly's. As always, I am Gina here with my co-host, Bryna. Hi, guys. I'm super glad to be back. Sorry I missed talking about the PD premiere, but if anyone wants to talk about it, hit me up on Twitter because I have a lot of feelings. And Miss Ashley. Hey, everybody. Hey, so on the agenda tonight, we are going to, of course, cover the news, and then we are going to jump into the Chicago Fire season six premiere entitled It Wasn't Enough. So we're light on news. I think it's because we're now in season. Plus, our last episode was on Friday, so not a lot of news has happened between now and then. The one piece of news that we do have is that we do have the promo photos for season six, episode three of Fire. I don't know the title off the top of my head right now, but there's nothing too juicy in there. The only things that are worth noting is that there's a couple of photos of Dawson and Casey just like being adorable and making hard eyes at each other. Um, The other pertinent one is that we finally get to see Leon, Cruz's brother. He returns. So I was excited about that. What did you guys think of the promo photos? Yeah, no, I'm super excited. I mean, like you said, there's not a Dossie is Dossie. I mean, they're ridiculously cute. I'm very excited for Leon. I'm really curious to see what brings him back. I mean, I know it has something to do with Mouch, but not really. But, like, they're also at Molly's, so is it, like, a surprise for Cruz and this is some kind of party? I don't know. I'm just, like, I'm very curious to see how it actually plays out. Maybe it is because, like, in one of the pictures, it looked like they had, like, a confetti falling down. Yeah, I don't – yeah, I don't – I mean, I don't know. I'm curious. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, that'll be good. It'll be good to see him back. We haven't seen him since season two, three? Three at the latest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll be good to see him. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. So, all right. So that's about the only news we have. Like I said, it's kind of light, but that's also because our last episode was Friday. It is now Sunday that we're recording, so not a lot has happened, but that's okay. That's good. So we'll just jump right into the episode, Chicago Fire season six, episode one, the season premiere. So... We're going to start off with the quickest rundown of the season finale, season five, episode 23 ever. If you want to hear us go more in detail about it, you can, of course, go back to episode two, where we just dissect it to death. Um, And we also air out all of our feels about Dossie and him saying goodbye and all that good stuff. So, okay, Ashley, in three sentences, please give us the rundown of season five, episode 23. Oh, goodness. Um, there's a factory fire, and Mouch has a heart attack, and Casey says goodbye to Gabby, and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> so yeah, um, and as always, we have this broken down by storyline, not necessarily chronologically, but it kind of plays into each other, you know. We all saw the episode. So the first thing we're going to touch on is the factory fire and the aftermath. So as we know, Casey says goodbye, Gabby is just ugly crying her heart out. Beautifully, I might add. She's gorgeous, even when she cries. Don't know how she does that. Must be (laughs) waterproof mascara, but whatever. So Gabby's ugly crying. Bowden decides to open up the water cannons. And this was a sneak peek that dropped last week, and it confused me to death. So Bowden says the thing about the water cannons, and Cruz goes, no, you're going to boil everybody alive. This 
did not sit well with me because I didn't understand if he had said berry or boil. And then I realized he had said boiled and I had to go Google it because it was driving me nuts. I never found the answer. But thankfully, uh, I think Derek cleared it up after the episode. Apparently, it's the steam. If people are inside, it creates steam and the steam is just as hot, if not hotter. And that is deadly. But I don't know. It confused me. But that's just me. I don't know about y'all. Did it confuse y'all? Yeah, it kind of confused me. And I mean, I never got around I just because of the kind of the craziness of my week and stuff. I didn't get around a chance to seeing the first two minutes. So I went in totally blind to what was happening. So yeah, that was something I was like, but wait a second. Like, you would think water would, you know, take out the fire. And so like, then it would be better. But I mean, I guess if obviously I trust I know they've done their research. And I know that that's actually probably factually accurate if that if it's bad for them that it's bad for them but like I just I didn't that never was something I thought about right right yeah so uh yeah so after they fire the water cannons Bowden's like cover yourself you know do this whatever blah 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 Casey pulls a bookshelf over himself but his dumbass still does not put his mask back on <laughs> yeah Ugh. yeah we'll get there in a second so Bowden and Cruz are walking through the haze after the fire. And this part is kind of nerve wracking to me because I don't know about you guys, but it gave me flashbacks to season three, episode one. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. When they're walking through the building and like they find Mills and they're like, he's messed up and oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. See, now I wasn't even thinking about that, but yes. Yeah. That- that was just, I, bad. just I, I felt really like tense about it. And I was like, why do I feel so ugh, like, why do I feel so wound up about this? And then I realized I was like, this reminds me of season three, episode one. So yeah. Um, yeah. So Bowden and Cruz are walking through the haze. Cruz is walking through. He's calling out to Herman and Mouch and he found, he finds Herman like hunched over. And so he's thinking the worst. He finds Herman. Herman's badly, badly burned. Uh, pulls up on his shoulder. And it turns out that Herman is still trying to save Mouch even through all of that chaos. So that was a big relief. Yeah. Yeah. No, but did anyone else find this like super emotional? Like I was sitting over here, like, I mean, I was in public when I was watching this cause I was, I watched it on Friday. I didn't get to watch it on Thursday, but like I was sitting here and I was like trying not to like be upset and cry. I was like, this was, it was just something about it was like really emotional. And I guess maybe cause like it's Herman and it's Mouch and they're such like part of the heart and soul of firehouse 51. And like, I, I was just like feeling it in that moment and I was like oh boy this is only like two minutes in like this is not going well then for the rest of the episode right right Ashley what about you yeah I feel the same way yeah I I, like I said I found it more tense than anything like it was really tense and then I was just so relieved I was like oh my god good okay those two are okay check check so that yeah right well then I thought it was interesting too because like Obviously, like, right before that happens, you know, we find out that Severide and Canella are okay. And I was like, but wait a second. Like, if Severide's okay, if Canella's okay, if Herman's still, you know, trying to keep Match alive and it's clear that, you know, Match is still, like, barely hanging on, but he's hanging on. And then, I mean, I knew it probably wasn't Casey that was that was dead anyway. But then, like, obviously we found out Casey wasn't dead. And I was just like, but wait a second. Like... Then who else, like, who was it? Like, who else is left? Like, is someone dead? Like, I was just counting off. I was like, wait a second. It just confused me for a second. Once I, especially once we saw, like, Canel was okay and Mouch, because, like, those were the two people we thought, if anything, were going to die. And I was like, uh-huh. Then who's dead? <laughs> right. 
Right, yeah. And so, you know, Severin and Canel are okay. Bowden finally finds Casey, and his dumb ass is passed out because he didn't put his mask back on. I'm never going to get over that. I'm just going to be forever irrationally bitter about it. Like, ugh. So, we yeah. time jump finally to present day, and we open on a photo of Casey. And everybody's in dress blues, and it's the ceremony, and Bowden speaking about Casey and all of his accomplishments, and it looks like a funeral. And for for a couple seconds there, I was like, "Hang on!" I spent the whole hiatus <laughs> like saying, "No, it, it'll be fine. He'll be back." And I had a split second where I was like, "Wait a minute!" And then they cut to Gabby, and she looks like she's crying, but then she smiles, and there's Casey. He's okay. Excellent fake out. I thought it was really good. Did you guys? And yeah. I had the same idea. I was like, wait, is he really dead? They cannot kill him off. He's like a main character. There's no way. And then he was alive. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think part of the reason why it's such an excellent fake out is because Gabby's not in her dress blue. She's in a dress. And I think it just, like, it makes it, it's, it's such a good fake out. Right, right. Which leads me to the question of, like, why is she in a dress? I didn't get the chance to kind of look up you know, protocol in that instance. Um, it's worth mentioning. It's a it's a commendation ceremony for Casey. He's getting a Medal of Valor, and yeah, I don't I don't know why Gabby's in a dress. Um, Maybe because she's his wife, and that can take priority. I don't know. I don't know enough about how, like, like you said, like what's procedure and what's like the rules when it comes to these things. But I'd be really curious to know. Yeah, and I think what kind of irks me about that a little bit I'm like well wait why why can't she like why can't she show her position her rank because she's married to him but that's just making mountains out of molehills I was curious about it yeah so yeah I I think I'm looking into it a little bit much I'm sure it's protocol that goes back to like forever ago um but still curious if anybody out there knows exactly why Gabby was in a dress just tweet us, let us know, and we'll just look at it and be like, oh, that makes sense. You know. Yeah, because I'd actually be really curious to right, know. Right, right. So, yeah, so it turns out, you know, everybody's okay. Everybody's alive and happy and okay and fine. Um, but this seemed to be, a, like, a hot topic of debate on the internet the past couple of days. Because there are some people out there who are kind of pissed off that nobody died. Which, What? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I guess the only reason I can think of why people would be pissed is, like, you know, our favorite troll, Derek, who we love so much. Like, you know, he put it out there, like, that someone died. Like, they said someone died. But, like, I'm glad it's not a, especially not a main character. I mean, I guess you could say, if you want to say the chemistry teacher, which we're going to talk about later, you know, if she was close to dying, you know. I mean, but you could count that. But, I mean... Yeah, no, I'm relieved. I'm so relieved. Yeah, and we got an email to the same effect. We got an email from Elizabeth, and she said the same thing. She's relieved nobody died. I'm relieved nobody died. I can't. Yeah. I'm just surprised that there are people in the fandom who are mad that nobody died. Because if somebody had died, they would have complained that it was just like 301, and it was just history repeating itself. But I don't know. Just, yeah. I don't know. So... Yeah, so that's the factory fire. You know, it turned out okay in the end. It just kind of, you know, we had to spend two months on pins and needles wondering what the hell was happening. But one of the other storylines that was pretty big 
on the premiere was Dossie, of course, because Dossie is Dossie. So the very first scene after Matt's Medal of Valor ceremony, they go back to the house and Ramon is moving out. It's Christmas. Ramon's leaving. Finally. <laughs> I can't stand him. So he moves out and pretty much we're like 10 minutes into the episode at this point and Dossie already really have their hands all over each other. So at that point, I was sitting there with my pizza like, hey, we are off to a good start. Really good start here. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so funny. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, we're 10 minutes in and Doss, like Casey's alive and they have their hands all over each other. And yeah. Season know. six is great so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ten minutes. Mouch is alive. Like, yeah, season six. So, yeah. And there's also something interesting to note in this scene that um, Derek had kind of teased last week. He had tweeted something about learning Gabby and Antonio's real last name. And everybody on Twitter was freaking out. And I was sitting over here like, he's trolling. He's totally trolling. What the hell? But then it turns out that he might have been right. Ashley, talk about that a little. I would, I, yeah. Okay, Dawson's real last name is Dawsonio. Is that right? Did I say that right? I think it was like Dawsiona, but whatever. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, and in the his, her, her dad called him that, called her that in the scene. And I thought Derek was lying, so I, I didn't realize her last name wasn't Dawson. But now we actually know he wasn't lying. That Derek loves to keep us on our toes. Okay, I just don't understand, like, what is the point of it? Like, what's the point of them not being, like, for five and six seasons, you know, not being Dawson anymore? Like, what? It, what's the point of this reveal? I think it was just a little tidbit. I mean, I, I you know, if we're really going to get into it, like, deep and pick it apart, I mean maybe they wanted their name to sound more American, but I think it's just a teeny tiny detail. Yeah, no, I just like, and now that, like, because I mean, I didn't know this was an even thing until, like, a few minutes ago when you were talking about this, but, like, I just, yeah, like, I just don't, you know, understand the point of it, but, you know, I think it's cool. Yeah, just a little tidbit. So, Ramon moves out, they hook up, and... Apparently now, after this factory fire where Casey didn't put his mask back on, he's got eyes all over him, and there's a possible promotion to captain in his future, which is great. I mean, good for him. That's awesome. And so he is talking to Dawson about this, and he's pretty much telling her, you know, I want to focus on the job that I'm good at, which is fighting fires and not being an alderman. He admits it. We didn't have to say it. Um, yeah, he wants to focus on firefighting. And so Gabby's like, hey, this is awesome. And then Casey walks away and Gabby's face just falls. Um, a cute little tidbit to note there is when that scene begins, she's talking about like, she's like, oh, I, I love to call you Captain Casey. That would make me Mrs. Captain Casey or something like that, which is just so cute. I love when Dossie gets all domestic and cutesy. Just eat it up. But yeah, yeah so that's good. the key thing there is that, you know, she says that it's great, and then he walks away, and her face just falls. So, obviously, we're kind of led to believe, like, something's going on here. Whatever. So then we move forward a little bit, and we get a Casey and Severide cigar chat. But not only is this a regular cigar chat, this is a rooftop cigar chat. They have stepped up their game, literally. Yeah. No, this was, like, the best thing in life. Like, I want I – ne- I need this every episode. This was 
it made my whole day. And it turns out there's like a flower bed on the roof or something. Like it's a nice place to have a cigar chat. It's like really nice. Right. Right. And this was like, I think this honestly might have been like my favorite cigar chat. Like, cause they were just like, you know, being so open with each other and like having this real great like romance moment. Like it was, it was great. It was a great moment. Yeah. It was really great. It was really great. And so uh, there's a moment in here where, you know, Severide's like, yeah, I heard Ramon moved out. Gabby said this, whatever. And Casey's like, no, my hands are clean. So since Severide goes, well, how'd that feel? And Casey goes, you have no idea. Which is hilarious because, like, total double entendre. But, you know, that's adorable. Casey and Severide just being adorable little bros. So cute. So cute. I needed every episode. I needed every episode. Literally, yeah. The the more Severide and Casey moments, the better. They're just such a good friendship together. Yeah. So, so good. So after that, they get a call. And by call, pretty much – a somebody runs up to the firehouse but worth noting here is that they do this awesome like ninja slide down the ladder so cool yes yes um that was that was I, that was great yeah and there were pictures on the internet apparently like it was actually them they didn't get a stunt double which is cool because like they actually rehearsed it and stuff so really that, yeah that was cool that little ninja move there i was like ooh. i need to go find that because i want that's cool yeah and there are gift sets like all over tumblr like tumblr had a field day with that so yeah that was cool so afterwards, or once the call's over, after shift, they're all at Molly's, and Ramon rolls up, which is never good, because Ramon, it's just never good. So he rolls up to Molly's, and he's sitting there talking to Gabby, and he reveals that Gabby has been seeing the chaplain. So this got my wheels turning, because I was like, okay, is she? does she have like a little bit of PTSD after this fire? Like, what's the deal? And she's pretty cagey about it. But then Ramon pretty much says, he goes, you told me that when Matt said goodbye in that fire, that it almost broke everything inside of you. That was the exact line. And Gabby's trying to play it cool. And I mean, I don't know. Ramon was trying to hint that there's something bigger at play. I don't, I don't know. Like, based solely on what she said to Ramon, I wouldn't read more into that but I think the actions throughout the rest of the episode with her I think that shows that there might be something bigger at play but yeah I mean that line in and of itself didn't bother me what did you guys think I mean I don't know it's like I don't know if it necessarily bothered me but like I do think it's something worth that I hope we kind of see I mean we saw kind of how she opens up to Matt at the end of the episode but I do think you know Gabby, kind of like the rest of the people in this franchise, you know, they like to keep their personal lives personal, you know, because the job comes first and that's what's most important. But at the same time, you know, I like kind of when we get to see those moments that, you know, that this fire, I mean, that was like a big deal. And especially for her, like it really affected her, it seems. And, you know, I kind of hope that, you know, we get to see more of like, how much of an impact it really had on her, you know, in these next couple episodes. And maybe it'll all kind of lead up to that big Dawson episodes we're supposed to have in a couple weeks. So, I mean, I hope it's something that we kind of get to see little tidbits of, but I don't think I necessarily, that line bothered me and that, you know, I'm worried about her from like a health perspective, especially because of how the episode ended. Yeah. Ashley, what did you think? I agree. Yeah. I just, I mean, that line in and of itself, I was just, I found that innocent. Because, like, 
her husband thought he was going to die, and he straight up said goodbye. He was surrounded by flames. The wall was bubbling. He didn't think he was getting out. So, I mean, it doesn't matter how solid of a foundation you have with someone. If your husband says goodbye, it's going to make you feel a certain way. So that didn't bother me. But, yeah, whatever. So we also got a direct message from Rachel, and she said that, you know, him or Basically, Gabby confiding this in her father, it kind of shows how close Gabby and Ramon are, which still just, I don't know, which still just kind of strikes me weird because after the vow renewal and how he just went like, he was just a real dick in the vow renewal to the point that I I wouldn't be able to forgive him if that were the case. But, you know, everybody's different. So, and I mean, at least she's confiding in someone, right? She doesn't confide in Chaplin Orlovsky. She's not going to confide in Matt, you know, and we're not going to see Antonio until episode seven. So at least she's talking to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So little side note I had in there. So earlier in this, uh, earlier in this whole sequence when they were at Molly's, um, our good friend Hope, ooh, she showed up and we'll get into Hope in a minute, but um basically she had ordered she ordered a drink she ordered like a moscow mule or something and i really hope that hope ordering a moscow mule was not them taking a dig at the drink because moscow mules are awesome i just yeah side note but they spent the whole scene with uh gabby and ramon and she's still making that drink and i just noted i was like it took her a really long time to make that moscow mule but all right whatever (laughs) so yeah um there was another another yeah yeah go ahead i have another side note when Dawson, when Dawson said that we have cops, doctors, and lawyers, well, not so many lawyers anymore. That whole scene, I thought that was funny. I love that. That was so great. I mean, you know, sad that Justice is no longer on the air, but that was a great line. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. I thought that was funny. I read something from Derek last week, and apparently he had put that in the first draft of the script just as, like as a joke. And Dick Wolf loved it, so they kept it. That's so funny. Yeah. No, it, it was great. It was really great. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, after the whole sequence at Molly's, um, they're back on shift again, and Dawson's just kind of walking through, and the chaplain comes to the firehouse looking for her. Now, this is where the red flags kind of went up for me, because she hides from the chaplain, but not only does she hide from him, like, the way she hides herself against the wall, and she starts kind of, like, hyperventilating, like, she's kind of having an anxiety attack a little bit, like, low-key, but... That is when the the red flags went up for me when I was like, all right, something's up. Something is up. So, yeah, did you, I mean, did you guys have the same reaction? Yeah, no, and I think it's a good thing you bring that up because I think it kind of, that was a moment that made me think like, okay, well, what in that time period from where she was seeing the chaplain until like, what made her stop going to see him? Like if she already, I would have understood this a little bit more had she like, you know, people had been pushing her to see him and she didn't want to go see him. But what made her stop going to see him? We don't ever learn that, right? We ha- No, we haven't learned it yet. That's what I think I'm really cu- most curious about. I didn't think we had. I only got to see the episode once. But, like, yeah, I just, like, that's curious. Because, like, like I said, it would have made a little more sense. And usually the way the stories go after this is, like, people need to be pushed into going to see somebody. But this is the opposite. Is she went and saw somebody and now it stopped. And it clearly still needs a little bit someone to talk to. So, like, I'm just curious why she stopped. Yeah, and I would guess just off of what we know from this one episode, my first guess would be, you know, it's pride because Gabby is Gabby. 
but I feel like yeah. she's always confided in the chaplain. So uh, yeah, that it's yeah they've had they have a close bond from you know Shay and other things that have happened over the course of time. So like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the whole Dossie. Uh, the whole Dossie arc for this episode, it ends where they're getting ready to go out and be adorable, domesticated Dossie. And Matt's having a normal conversation or whatever. And Gabby just kind of blurts it. So she just kind of turns around and she just goes, don't ever say goodbye to me again. Ugh, Dossie feels everywhere. And Matt just kind of tries to, like, play it tough. He's like, well, I was going to say something. Okay, whatever. And basically it just ends where Gabby just says, you know, tell me you'll always come back to me. Even if even if it's not possible, she's like, I'll always believe it. And Matt just takes her hands and just looks her right in the eye and says, I will always come back to you. Just shows the bond these two have and how they both love what they do, but they also love each other. It was a really, really good Dossie moment. Really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Re- yeah. One of, I, one of my favorites of recently. It was really good. Yeah. And it just shows, you know, how solid they are as a couple and yeah oh Dossie gotta love them so moving on uh another storyline that we had in the art the uh, article in the episode uh, uh <laughs> Cruz and Mouch of course good old Cruz and Mouch Mouch is alive yay but now he's earned a really messed up nickname that is really funny though I can't help but laugh at it so Everybody's calling him Dead Mouch, which it's just so wrong, but it's also so funny. Yeah. I love that. I love when Sylvie walked in and just like patted him and gave him a kiss on the cheek and was like, hey, Dead Mouch. Yeah. And just like walked away. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It was so funny. Um, okay. Can yeah. we, off of like him coming back, can we talk about like, does anyone else find it as interesting that like doctors have allowed Mouch to come back to firefighting after – Everything that happened to him at the end of season five, this like in the aftermath of this fire, because it kind of seems I don't know the exact time jump, but it kind of seems that it has to be about two months because it seems like, you know, Cruz just came back and we learned, you know, he did actually serve a 60 day suspension. So but it can't be that much longer than two months, maybe three at the most, but whatever it is. But like it just doesn't seem realistic to me that like he's back on full duty after just two months after a heart attack. Like that takes a long time to come back from if you do come back from it at all, especially because Mouch is, you know, a little on the older side. So like, and he was thinking about retiring and all these things. So like, I just don't seem that just seems like, you know, I kind of thought maybe, you know, it'd be a couple episodes before we got to see him back in the firehouse. But like, you know, he's back like, like it's nothing. Like, I mean, obviously he's changed his, He's talked about he changed his diet and he's doing more exercise and all these things. But, like, still, the fact that he's on full duty, like, basically two months after it happened, that didn't – that seemed a little unrealistic to me. I agree. Yeah, two months to bounce back from a heart attack like that, especially when Herman references when he first comes back. Herman's like, dude, you flatlined. Okay, like, two months after near death seems a little too much. But, right. Yeah. yeah, it just yeah, it just seemed it just seemed unrealistic. It's pretty similar to season one when Severide had the shoulder issue and they were finally like, hey, look, this surgeon can do this and you'll be fully healed healed in four weeks. Mm, mm. Not 
no, not the same. Maybe death duty. You maybe you'll be fully healed in two weeks and you can do death duty. But like to come back to be like full duty fireman, I just I didn't believe it. Same, same. But but I'm happy Max is alive. I am too. I am too. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally happy he's back. I thought the when he had the sandwich and Platt left him the note and it said I'll miss your love handles. I was like that is such a Platt note to leave. That's so cute. Oh. It was so great. So cute. Um, yeah, and so Cruz is ecstatic that Mouch is back. Um, gives him a big old hug, and then they go into the common room, and it turns out that Cruz made a pillow for Mouch, and it says, like, Mouch's spot. So cute. <laughs> and Cruz basically sends or spends the whole episode sucking up to Mouch, which is just – it's really cute. But it's – yeah, I thought it was really cute. Herman is off in the corner, like, eye-rolling, like, what the hell are you doing? But – it's adorable that they're, like, patching up their friendship. Mouch is just kind of letting it happen. And Cruz is just pouring it on so thick. Um, one of my favorite moments. I think it, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think it would have been annoying had it been anyone else but Cruz. But Cruz just comes off with this, like, lovable and energetic and, like, person. And, like, you know, he really cares. And, like, you know, he really feels bad about, you know, the things he said to Mouch before this. And, like, you can really see it. And I think... Had it been anyone else but Cruz that was doing all these things to make up for whatever they did, I would have found it really annoying. And it would have felt forced and, like, out of character. Yeah. Yeah. So it's perfect that it was Cruz. Uh, One of my favorite moments was when, you know, Mouch is, like, working out and taking this whole working out thing so seriously. He's like, hey, Herman, can you hold my feet while I do crunches? And Cruz comes just, like, sliding in out of nowhere. Sliding in. It was great. That's a great mo- – yeah. Oh, my God. Great. I left. And uh, when Mouch is asking Severide, he's like, so do you do this kind of training or that kind of training? Severide's like, I just lift weights. So funny. <laughs> so funny. So, yeah, Herman yeah. basically tells Mouch to let Cruz off the hook. Mouch is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Cruz comes in with, like, a hot towel around Mouch's neck. So funny. Just so funny. So, basically, towards the end of the episode, Mouch sees a poster for the Firefighter Muster, which is apparently, like, the firefighting, like, Olympics. They just kind of compete in, you know, firefighter things. I don't know. So, yeah, Mouch finds the poster for the Firefighter Muster, and he goes to the team with it, and the team shoots it down. But this is where Mouch has, like, the rally the troops moment. He kind of gives, like, the Herman speech. You know, when Herman gives a good speech of, like, you know, pull it together and we can do this and all that stuff, Mouch gives it this episode. And it's actually really good. It's really heartfelt. Basically, the point of his speech is that, you know, when he was laying there having a heart attack, dying in this fire, all he could think about is that it wasn't enough. He didn't have enough time with Trudy. He didn't have enough time with, you know, with the the firehouse. It was just it was a really sweet, feelsy moment. Yeah, this, like... This speech was so good. I mean, my heart was – I was watching this in public. I was watching it in a Starbucks, and I was, like, sitting there trying not to get all teary-eyed. And I was like, this is so good, and it's coming from Mouch. Not – like you said, not Herman, who's the king of good speeches. And, I mean, I really like Mouch's speech, and I really wish we got more Mouch speeches because it was great. Yeah, I really liked it. And I like how it wasn't – wasn't super long it was super eloquent or flowy it was you know to the point but it was just it said a lot and I I thought it was really sweet and you could tell it came from the heart like you could tell you know I feel like Herman's speeches sometimes like not that they're not great because I mean he's the king it's great speeches but you know sometimes like you can tell he's trying to like you know pump everyone up and this and that and like Mouch was just saying what was on his mind and saying what was on his heart and it was really good 
really, really good, really good. So, yeah, so, you know, the Cruise and Mouch storyline, it's going on. I'm sure it's going to resolve itself at some point in a cute fashion. I don't know. But, yeah, so that was pretty good. The other thing we have to talk about, I don't really want to, it's the Hope, Stella, and Severide Triangle of Death. Ugh. This crap. Uh, yeah, let's just talk about it so I'm we like can move on. I'm, like, over it. What, Ashley? I'm over it. Oh, uh, yeah, already over it. So, we start off, Stella's landlord storms into the firehouse. He calls her a bitch. He's, like, yelling at her, freaking out at her, blah, blah, blah. Um... What I did like, though, when Stella goes outside and she's, like, yelling at him, you can see Casey and Severide in the background just, like, ready to pounce. I was like, hey, like, don't mess with their people. I love it. Yeah. Powerhouse 51 forever. Y'all mess. Yeah. Yeah. Squaggles. So, yeah, Stella's having all sorts of issues with her landlord. That sets that up. Sylvie's friend Hope shows up. Face palm. So first off, yeah. you know she's trouble when Brett mentions that her nickname in high school was Shock and Awe. No, <laughs> like bad. And obviously, so they mention the nickname, and then she pops up, and the first thing they do is they show Severide staring in her direction. Of course, he's staring in her direction. Somebody with boobs that he hasn't slept with yet just crossed into Chicago city limits. So his radar is going off because he's like, ooh, look. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Gina's face when she just did her, like, spider, like spidey senses thing. Oh, yeah. But it's true, though. It, uh, so I'm going to make that noise a lot talking about this whole triangle of awfulness. So they go to Molly's later and they're well actually going back to the firehouse scene um when Cruz and Otis are you know flirting with her or whatever um somebody says something about like not getting or getting into trouble or something and she's like "Mm, not too much trouble she says something like super bubbly and like disgustingly flirty yeah I just we talked about this in a previous episode that we hate her already it's just a fact yeah now that we've seen her I hate her even more yep True story. So they go to Molly's later, and they're sitting there at the bar, and Sylvie catches Hope staring at him. And so, you know, Sylvie's like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And she's like, look at him, though. And I'm like, okay, listen, I get it. I really get it. Taylor Kinney is gorgeous, and those blue eyes kill me every time. But Kelly Severide is not somebody you want to date. You don't date Kelly Severide. You just sleep with him. He hits it and quits it, and you're done. Except if you're Anna, but we're going to talk about that in a second. Who's yeah, Anna? but yeah. I don't know who Anna is based on the way Kelly's acting. Who is this Anna you speak of? I know, and that's what really that's what really bugs me and like bothers me is because like I get it, two months has passed, but like she changed your life supposedly. You know, that's what it made it seem like. What happened in episode five is she changed the way he thought about not even just women, but just like life in general in a lot of ways, and like. How have we already forgotten that? Yeah. I, I, it bugs me so much now that, like, we, you know, we've had time to reflect on what happened at the end of season five and, you know, the whole Anna storyline. And we've talked a lot about it. But, like, I really liked it. And now I thought we were going in a great direction. And now we're literally going back to season one, Severide, and season two, and three, and four. And, like, I, I can't – I don't like it. I don't like it either at all. So, 
Yeah. Um, Stella's like, what's going on? And so Sylvie's like, yeah, um, Hope was staring at Severide. And Stella has this look on her face. I'm like, no, don't don't do this. Okay, Stella is not that girl. And by making her pine over Severide, you're reducing her character to so much less than what she really is. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Stella. And I, th I think that's honestly part of the reason why I mean, I guess at this point, I kind of want to see Stella and Severide happen, but I'm not really that big a fan of it. And if it never happened, I'd be okay. Because Stella, when she first came in, you know, she's so much more than what Severide is going to give her. And I like Stella as a character. And I like seeing her, you know, be this like strong and independent woman. And I don't want to see, I love Severide, you know, as a character. And I, you know, we've talked a lot about that. But like, Stella is so much better than what Severide would give her. And I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see her be this person that pines after him, you know, when he's, ne it seems like as of right now, he's never going to see her again as anything more. And I, I just don't want to see it. Do y'all think if Severide and Stella got together that she would like change his ways? That's um, a great question. That is a great know. question. I don't know because they technically, you know, they've been there twice now. Like whatever that we happened off screen that we didn't get to see. And then the little bit of we did get to see on screen. And it wasn't enough to, you know, it wasn't her. Which is why I don't know if I want, you know. It's why I don't know if like I really would consider them someone I'm like shipping and want them to be together. I'd like to see them together again only because Stella is different from all the other girls that he has slept with, that he has hit and quit. Yeah, I said it. Right. Because after he sleeps with them, Kelly's instinct is to push them away. And they go because, you know, they're all flighty little airheads who are like, tee hee, he's so hot. But yeah, his instinct is to push them away. And it just happens because these are girls who just want to sleep with him and run. Stella, however... No matter how many times Kelly tries to push her away, she's still there. And she doesn't run. And so I think that's why I like them together. Now, when Ashley, when you say, you know, it, would she change his ways? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Because I don't think he would ever cheat on her. But I couldn't see her, like, taming him, quote unquote. So it's interesting. And I wonder, now that I just think of it, I wonder, and I mean, I've always said that I think Severide, like, needs someone not in this firehouse world, like, you know, that. And I wonder if it's because Stella's so ingrained in that culture of, you know, I mean, she's around him, not even just him specifically, just but, like, around all these guys all the time, and she's ingrained in that culture so much, and I wonder that just has anything to do with it. And I wonder if that's why in a lot of ways Anna was different and did seem to like change him for, well, kind of, you know, whatever. But I, I mean, I've always said I think Severide needs someone outside of the firehouse world. Um, but yeah. And like I said, it's part of me wants to see the Severide thing happen just because like I hate Hope and like I want her to get the fuck out of here. But like, I don't know if, I don't know if I really want Stella and Severide to get together. But let us know what you think, because I'd really be curious to see if people are really liking Stella and Severide and, you know, what people think about that. So hit us up on Twitter. 
Please, yeah. And uh, you know what I liked about Stella and Severide the first time is that, you know, Stella's a very independent woman. She was in this relationship with Severide not because she was desperate or she needed validation or anything, because she wanted to be. Right. Yeah, she's, right. she's confident. She's, you know... She's very confident in herself and what she does and everything. And she doesn't, yeah, she doesn't need a man to feel make her feel validated. And so having her pine over him like this just reduces her. And it's kind of out of character for her. And I don't like it. I don't like it. She's better than a love triangle. Flat out. That's what, that's what I, that's what I think. I think she's really, she's better than a love triangle. And she's better than any of the crap Severide's going to put her through while he's doing this dance with Hope. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, Stella gives her a look, and then Kelly's going to the bathroom later, and Hope rolls up, and she hands Kelly his phone, and she's all coy about it, and she's like, I might have put my number in there. Oh, my God. This was the worst thing I've ever – so bad. So bad. So bad. And, of course, Kelly eats it up, and he's like, oh, did you? Okay. This made me so angry because, like – Anna, hello, Anna. Hi. It took you took you four episodes to grieve Shay, your best friend for life. It took you four episodes of you being blacked out, drunk, getting into like a shooting on the train. Who the hell knows what else craziness you did in season three? But it took you four (laughs) episodes to grieve your best friend, and now you're telling me one time jump is all it takes for you to forget your dead girlfriend? Right. That's what I. Mm. Mm. Still so bitter. So, so bitter. So bitter. So, yeah, obviously this is going to play out terribly and just whatever. So later on, Hope and Brett are getting ready to go out and there are text messages going back and forth between Kelly and Hope because of course there are. Um, Sylvie's like, who are you texting? Hope lies and says it's her mom. At this point, I'm, like, full-on head desk, like, against whatever table I'm watching the episode against. And I'm just like, why don't you guys just stick to, like, texting each other dirty emojis? Why are you even flirting? Just cut to the chase, sleep with each other, and get it over with. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, mm. And I don't understand. Is Brett so naive that she couldn't figure that out? I think Brett sees the world through rose-colored glasses. So she... Like, to me, that was obvious that, like, she clearly wasn't texting her mom. Right. I think Brett likes to assume the best in everybody. Yeah. I just, yeah. Brett. Mm. That was so obvious. Yeah. and But I, I think the more Hope is here, the more Sylvie is going to realize, you know, she... She's not the person she thought she was. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah. But, ugh. So... At the end of the episode, Stella moves in with Kelly. And it's cute at first because uh, Kelly opens the door and he's just like, you look like a lost little puppy, which is adorable. Um, but, you know, they're talking and they're kind of setting kind of setting ground rules. And then Stella's like, she goes, yeah, so feel free to do whatever you need to do. And there's a gap between this line and when she delivers the last line. And at this point, I'm watching the episode. I literally turn to my mom, who I'm watching it with. And I'm like, yeah. You mean whoever you need to do it with. And literally Stella's like, yeah, with whomever you need to do it with. She says it like right after I said it. I was like, damn it, Stella. Whatever. Yeah. That tension, though, I liked the tension that was there. Like, I I liked that scene. I thought it was good. 
Yeah, I, I but like I, them together. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, oh. At this point, I want them to get together just so Severide doesn't get with Hope. That's what I just said. Yeah. I, mm, yeah. I just, I, Hope needs to get the fuck out of here. And it's only been one episode. For real, for real. You guys can't see us right now, but all three of us are literally sitting here just shaking our heads. Just. Yeah. No, I just like, have you guys ever not wanted it? Like, I don't know, even in, like, I'm thinking about other shows, like, I can't even think of a time where, A, I've hated a character before we've ever been introduced to him or her, and B, like, after just, like, one episode, I wanted him or her to get the fuck out, like, so quickly. And she did until, like, episode six or seven, which I think is, like, this mid-season finale, so she's in it for, like, ever. That's so long from now. God. It really is. Even Damn though it. it's like five weeks away, it's like, can we just, can this just happen now? I'm not here for all the trouble she's going to start. No. And the minute And she- I swear, if she comes in between, if she causes trouble with anybody else in besides, I mean, obviously she's probably going to cause trouble with Brett just because they're friends. And then obviously Stella and Severide. But if she gets into anybody else like Cruz or Otis or anybody else in Firehouse 51, oh, it's on. I. I'm not here for that. Yeah, just, I feel like the circle of Severide has expanded. It's just getting bigger and bigger. uh, uh. So that's the latest in the Severide saga of doom, of horribleness, whatever. So the episode ends towards towards the end of the episode. They get a call, and this is the big fire at the high school. Now, earlier in the episode, Donna popped up. Yay, we love Donna so much. Um, she popped up and she had mentioned that she's now teaching high school. So this call comes in and Bowden knows right from the get-go, that's Donna's school. So they go to the fire and the first thing that happens, Bowden gets out of the truck and he sees one of the teachers and he's like, did you see Donna Bowden? And the teacher's like, yeah, I saw her running towards the fire. I'm like, yeah, of course you did. She's a Bowden. Yep. Yep. Of course you did. So... Before they even rolled up to the school, we got a pretty cool glimpse inside both truck and squad, like their trucks on the way to the fire. And Severide and Casey are kind of like deploying the troops. But I love this because both of them explain to the team, they're like, listen, Bowden's going in on this one. We're both going to flank him and cover him and watch out for him. And it just goes back to this awesome dynamic they have for each other because, you know, they respect that Bowden's in charge, but they also balance each other out there's like a checks and balances system but they still respect that Bowden's in charge I love it love it yeah yeah and I think I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed that because like you said this dynamic between the three of them is so good and I think it goes to show that it's more way more than just like Bowden being the boss and them being you know subordinates and then it also goes to show you know it's more than just a mentorship like this is like true friendship that the three of them have even though despite the age gap and despite you know the different levels of rank and I think I mean it's just it was so good and it's something we don't get to see not a whole lot of I mean obviously they have their meetings with him and we get to see that sometimes but like in terms of like how much they care about him and vice versa like it's not something we get to see a whole lot and I wish we got to see more of it but like in the moments we do get to see it it's so good and I I was a really big fan of just that little bit of dialogue yeah it was great and I I like the I liked how they set it up with both of the teams on the way and both of them were like you're gonna go here you're gonna go there this is gonna happen and I just yeah that was cool to see yeah. 
That was pretty cool to see. Yeah, it was really cool. So we get through the fire. Everybody's kind of dispersing. And Bowden finds Donna in a classroom protecting three students. Again, of course you did. Of course Donna's just, like, protecting three students. That's Donna. So... Bowden's about to go to her, and this is, like, right before the commercial break. So Bowden's about to go to her, and then as he does, there's, like, a big explosion, and, like, flames come right towards the camera. Not only was this a horrible 523 flashback, but there was a split second in here where I think all of us thought Donna was going to die, because everybody had thought that somebody was going to die, and then nobody died in the factory fire. So that commercial break was, like, the most tense commercial break in fire history. Yup, and that split second where we thought that sucked ass. That was, I mean, I, I again, I got, I didn't get to watch it on Thursday night. I watched it on Friday, and I watched it without commercials. But even in that moment, before you get to see that, like, she's okay, it still sucked. Still sucked. Yeah, just, because yep. all of us during the commercial break were like, oh, my God. Like, we were kind of, like, planning out the rest of Bowden's life. We're like, baby Terrence is going to grow up without a mom. Bowden's going to be devastated. Oh my god! Like all this crazy stuff. It was just <laughs> in yeah. like three minutes too. It's like in a three minute time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So we get back from the commercial break, and thank God Donna's alive. Oh, good God! So she's alive. Um, they're all about to get out, and right before that is when Donna's like, "No, wait, you still have to get the chemistry teacher." So Casey goes in to get the chemistry teacher, and I mean, it's bad. This chemistry classroom is like, it's like a Ninja Warrior course just with like fire everywhere. It's like nuts. a living inferno, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he, um, yeah, he gets the chemistry teacher. They, uh, Keveride, er, Keveride, Casey and Severide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not drinking either. Like, <laughs> Casey and Severide. Yeah, they get the chemistry teacher out. And yeah, Bowden's like, hey, principal, whatever, what's the count? And he's like, yeah, everybody's accounted for. Of course, everybody's accounted for. That's the way Firehouse 51 rolls. So that was good. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So that, yeah, so that, that kind of resolves itself. Thank God Donna's alive. And Donna has like barely a scratch on her either, which, you know, good for her. So yeah. And so later on they're at med and this is how the episode ends. They're at med and Donna's in the waiting room and she's kind of updating everybody. And she goes up to Bowden at this point and she's just kind of whispering to him. Now at this point, I thought she was going to tell him that the chemistry teacher had died. She just didn't want to say anything to the kids. But that's not what happened. She looks at Bowden and she pretty much says that the fire wasn't an accident and then in like fade to black. Holy shit. Yeah, we're, I did not see that one coming. I was like I, I was like, I was in Starbucks when I was watching this and I wanted to just be like, holy shit, where the fuck did that come from? And also, how the fuck does Donna know that wasn't an accident? Like, what does she know that, how does she know that it wasn't an accident? I mean, I, it, it can make sense that it wasn't an accident, but, like, how does Donna know that? Right. How does Donna know that? And plus, if this was a student that set the fire, what the hell did they do to make that whole school go up? It's one thing to, like, set the chemistry classroom on fire, but the whole damn school? Right. And Donna's a new, like, and back to my point about how does Donna know. Donna's a new teacher there. She should, I mean, she doesn't really know students that well. She doesn't know teachers that well. So if it was, like a suicide attempt she doesn't you know doesn't really i i just don't understand i'm very curious to see the aftermath of that in season two i mean in next episode not season two dear lord <laughs> i'm not drinking either i promise season two but... starring keveride <laughs> <laughs> yeah in episode two 
I'm really I want to see the aftermath. Which I think and we this will. Would've, this would have been a great episode too. Like this would that little part of the story arc. I was thinking about this after the episode ended. That would have been a great episode for like a PD crossover, like a small one. Like it would have been like, oh, you know, it ends with the fire, and then you know they're like, oh, it's not an accident, and then PD comes in to like investigate i don't know i thought it would have been a cool crossover there was a little criticism about this episode because somebody had posted online and said you know why are the firefighters playing cops again it's not them playing cop it's them you know it's them wanting to chase down what happened it's them wanting to make sure it never happens to anybody ever again wait when why would the were were they playing cops in this episode not this episode i think they're referring to like just, you like, know. in past, like, when they do arson. Yeah, in the past, and then, like, you know, the, the preview for episode two that we saw, you know, Severide's playing arson twin again. And you know, Oh, see, I haven't, I haven't gotten to see the full thing. I, like said, I didn't watch this live, so I haven't gotten to see the preview yet. It's been a couple, crazy couple days, so I'm going to go look that up when we finish this recording. But, so I haven't seen the preview, so I guess, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. It's not them playing cop, they're investigating an arson. I mean, you get intelligence and they're, they're not going to know what the hell they're looking at. Right, arson is part of the fire department. True story. Not police department. Exactly, so, and plus in past incidents when like, you know, when they, they've got the cops involved where they've needed to, they're not playing cop, they're just trying to help PD along. Right, like in the child pornography, um crossover that like they got they called intelligence they didn't right. try to do that one themselves because that's not an arson case arson is a firefighting issue not a police issue i mean you might obviously you have to talk to the police and you know they're the ones that make arrests and things like that but like it's not something that it is not Voight's job to go investigate this it's Voight's job to arrest the son of a bitch true story so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see this high school story unfold because, yeah, how does Donna know what on earth did this person, like, what, what pissed them off and how did they set this fire? That's insane. So there's a lot of questions that are going to be resolved in the next couple episodes. So I'm pretty excited for that. But overall, I want you guys to tell me, what did you think of the premiere overall? I thought it was really good. I thought... I mean, I didn't get to talk about PD, but I mean, I think both of these premieres were really strong. And I think they're going to set up for, I think these seasons are going to be really good. I'm, I was very impressed with both of them. And I'm really excited to see what the next couple episodes for both um, hold. But especially Fire. I thought Fires was really good. I agree. I think it's going to be a good season for both of the shows. Right. Yeah. I thought the Fire premiere was really good. I thought it was... You know, it, it it resolved the finale and then it like propelled us forward into season six. So I'm pretty excited for what it's going to hold. But yeah, yeah, I was excited about that. So uh, we had some random notes about the episode written down. The only one I really took away is that Lee Henry, Herman's son, moved into the quote unquote mother-in-law suite, which is where Gabby had moved into with Louie at the end of season four. Um, the only reason I found that noteworthy is because apparently we're going to see more of Lee Henry this season. So, but isn't Lee Henry like eleven or twelve? No, no, he's the uh, he's the teenage son. He's the bratty one who wouldn't stand for the Pledge of Allegiance last season. Okay, but I still, I mean, I I knew he was the oldest, but I could have sworn he was still like by oldest, it was like eleven. No, I think I'd put him about fifteen. 
Oh, damn. Never mind. I was way off. I think. Okay, then that makes – I mean, it doesn't – it still's not, like, why is a 15-year-old moving into this, like, sweet apartment thing? But, like, okay, that makes more sense than my, like, 11-year-old thoughts, but it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But hopefully Lee Henry moving into the mother-in-law suite means that, like, Lee Henry will get in trouble, which means we'll see Cindy. And we love Cindy. Yeah, and hopefully you'll get a good Herman speech out of it. Yeah. With Cindy. Because we love Cindy. We cannot say that enough every episode. We love Cindy. We do. Come back. We love her. So, yeah. Um, do you guys have any random notes about the episode? No, I think that was – I mean, I thought I, – I did pick up on that one. I thought that was interesting. But, no, I'm – yeah. Not for this episode. Ashley? No. What are you eating? Ice cream. <laughs> So jealous. My dad brought me ice cream from Sonic. <laughs> I guess that is the end of our episode tonight. Thank you for joining and listening as always. Um, if you haven't yet, make sure you listen to episode five where we talk about the Chicago PD season premiere. Also, make sure you listen to our bonus episode with Chris Agos. Um, that was a lot of fun. He was so wonderful to have on. As always, if you have any thoughts, feelings, opinions, tweet them to us, Facebook message them to us, Instagram them to us. It's meet us at Molly's. Email us your feelings and thoughts and all that good stuff. We want to hear all of them. We don't care how long it is. We want to hear it. It's meet us at Molly's gmail.com. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am Gina Watches TV. I am Bryna K13. I'm at Ashnake095. And we will see you on Friday for Chicago PD Season 5, Episode 2. Bye!